Welcome to season two, episode three of My Green Podcast. In our first two episodes of the series, we spoke to uh, Lily Cole and Alice Bardwell from Pittastic. Um, I think both conversations were truly enlightening. One from a, I mean, this the most amazing activist, uh, clever, um, very clever uh, role model, Lily Cole, who's just doing some amazing uh, insight to uh, the way humans can live on the planet, actually, right now, um, and how we can change our lifestyles for the better. Um, conscious mother, conscious activist, and as you know, former model and actress and filmmaker. So, you know, amazing person. And Alice, who runs Pittastic, which is a, a natural deodorant company, uh, one of our hero products on My Green Pod. So, um, yeah, thank you for those two. But but this week we had the amazing um, and very privileged, actually. I felt like I was really in... You know, uh, in 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 the in the midst of a, a master, um, the great philosopher and systems theorist Irvin Laszlo. So you can listen to that interview here. Um, he's the recipient of numerous honors and awards, including nominations for the Nobel Peace Prize. Um, Irvin has written, you know, hundreds of articles and research papers, um, and is quite an astounding person. In 2019, Irvin was cited as one of the hundred most spiritual influential living people in the world. So, um, and that was according to Watkins Mind, Body, Spirit magazine. So, you know, he's a native of, of Budapest, uh, in Hungary and a U.S. citizen. He lives with his, um, Karita, his Finnish born wife in Tuscany, uh, which you'll find out a little bit more about what he does there. Um, but before we start, don't forget to hit the subscribe button, click the bell to turn on notifications. Um, you can also follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook under the handle MyGreenPod. Check out our website, MyGreenPod.com. We are hoping to give you an alternative to shopping at Amazon, a conscious, slow shopping experience with organic wines, vegan vegan stuff and organic stuff and, you know, all kinds of bits and bobs, but the very best products that you can find or we can find. Um, so when you are buying something, if you actually do really, really need it, at least buy from a conscious platform. And we give back to nature every time you do. We plant a tree in the tropics, um, which sequesters carbon 10 times more effectively than planting a tree in the UK um, every single time you shop. Just imagine if every customer on Amazon shop with us would be able to plant nearly a billion trees uh, a year. So that just shows the impact. And um, anyway, enjoy the show. Enjoy Irvin's interview and have a listen to this. So Irvin, welcome to My Green Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. It's a real pleasure and an honor. I know your time is precious. So my opening question to you is, is most of our listeners may not have heard of you or your work. So if I were to say to you, who is Irvin Laszlo? How would you respond? I don't know. Not that I don't know how to respond. I don't know who I am. It's up to other people to find out. <laughs> I have written enough. I've talked enough. So if people are interested, they can find out. Yeah, I mean, I think you're absolutely right. 110 books is the, is the number so far, isn't it? 106 only, actually. 106, okay. I mean, you're absolutely right. Any of our listeners can. I want to dive straight in because my understanding and appreciation of you has been, you know, you've been in my awareness for over 25 years. Um, I've been on quite a spiritual journey. Would you describe yourself as a spiritual kind of 
ambassador or, or, or more related to consciousness and the evolution of consciousness within humanity? Which, which one of those two phrases would you define your work focused on? Well, yes, some kind of ambassador or messenger, yes. And it's whether or what level, I don't know, or the level of thinking and acting both. I am just a person who is a humanist in the sense that I have the fate of the human community on this planet very much on, at, at, on, in mind and at, on my heart. And I feel that we are traveling through a critical period and I try to devote my attention and my energies to communicate the ideas, the message that I get doesn't even directly come from me. I feel I can pick this up and to uh, to help us to find a way forward. I think it's the way forward is coded in us. We just have to look inside us and then we can, we can move. And my mission is that. Uh, my mission is to find a better future for humanity. But I think the way to do that is to renew, upgrade, upgrade our consciousness. Upgrade the consciousness. Fabulous. Okay, so as a layman, as a person that is listening to that going, okay, well, I know how to upgrade my computer. I know how to upgrade my subscription for, you know, one of the platforms that I'm using. But how does one upgrade human consciousness? Can you define that in, in a few moments? Stop thinking about all the claims and noise and problems that, that beset us every day. Allow your consciousness to emerge more purely. Relax a little bit more. Think, think more deeply. Allow yourself, whether you meditate or do mindfulness or simply enjoy the, the peace and nature and perhaps great works of art or music or dance or whatever you do but divorce yourself from that eternal chatter that goes on in the world and try to allow yourself to become more of what you really are. You will find in you the motivations. You will find in, in you the sense of oneness and love that we need in this world. A new consciousness is a consciousness of unconditional love, universal love for all and for, for people, for nature, for the universe. That is in us. Allow us to come forth. Allow us to penetrate your consciousness. That, I think, is the way to do it. It's not difficult. What you have to do is to eliminate a lot of it, a lot of the current chat chatter. Everybody is out to just gain more money and, and have more power and influence. Stop for a moment and say, what is really fulfilling in this life? What can I contribute? Not to, not to just to my own short-term benefit, contribute as a human being who is conscious of who, who the world around us. And we know that we are uh, traveling through a critical period. What can I contribute? I think the answers will come. To me, they have always come. And I, I trust that they will come for everyone. Mm, beautifully, beautifully said. I mean, I, I certainly feel like I'm in the presence of, of a stream of consciousness that is, is a true 
<sighs> the truth, the truth of, of human beingness. We've all got entangled into the web of external gratification and busyness and everything else. So thank you for that. It was beautifully said. Uh, um, it's really touched my heart, actually. How important, you mentioned at the beginning about being in a critical time, um, and uh, you've been around for a, a few years, longer than some of us, and certainly than, than I. How critical is this time in comparison to what you've experienced through your life journey? I think it's more critical than ever anything that has happened to humanity in modern times, in, recorded, in the recorded times, let's say. Yeah. I think we are now moved on to the global level with the problems that beset us locally, locally, one and another community, or culture, or political party, or whatever, could rise and then could disappear. <clears throat> we are now moving on a global level. We are nowhere left to go if we don't do it, what we are doing. This is our community. This is our life and our future. So if the problems that are the survival and flourishing problems, is sometimes we call it the thriving or thrival problems, you know, Issue. Mm -hmm. That is the question. Can we make it so that we don't become extinct, not become just one of the species that arose and then did make it and disappeared, like mm -hmm. over 90% of the complex mammalian species, certainly since the Cambrian, disappeared. So mm -hmm. can we make it? That is the problem before us. And yeah. now this problem is very clear, because if we continue the way we have been going the past few decades or uh, two centuries, let's say, without major change, we'll create crises that will run into irreversibility thresholds. And then we can't go back again. Mm. So it's, it's crucial. It, crucial. Yeah, no, thank you. I agree. I absolutely agree. And that's part of the reason why we do this podcast and part of the reason why we, we operate in the sector that we operate in with ethical ethical shopping and, and, and trying to encourage people to buy better. But uh, you've alluded to um, the first question, which was about, you know, how, and second question, how important is it, um, how we can change ourselves. Is it possible, just to throw this question at you, that, that the higher consciousness of humanity and the, the more spiritual nature of humanity, which most people seem to have, forgotten or disconnected from through the busyness of lifestyles is it possible that we have co-created this situation um, as part of a evolutionary journey that we chose to embark on or is that just a ridiculous idea well i don't think we have consciously co-created it but we are part of the evolution that unfolds on this planet and this evolution is non-linear, as we say in science. It's not continuous, mm -hmm. it's not smooth. It keeps going. It doesn't just stop and uh, rewind. But it's, at the same time, it's not even and smooth. It's highly non-linear, full of leaps and bounds and halts and even reversals. We are now have been passing through a period of downshift, moving mm -hmm. into greater, greater crisis. The old has been shaken loose. We haven't put a new one in its place yet, and we don't know how to do that as yet. 
we need mm. besides that new consciousness to find out how we can do it. So I think we have co-created something by being present, yes, by being part of it. We didn't consciously create this phase. It came on us because mm. of this the accumulation of the mistaken values and, and, and aspirations and techniques and technologies uh, oriented toward realizing them. Because these have accumulated now. We have been doing this for 100 years or 200 years. It's becoming more and more critical because we have reached planetary thresholds. Now mm -hmm. we either change or we really suffer serious and possibly irreversible breakdowns. Nothing could be more cru crucial and important than this. Yeah, the planetary boundaries are, are cl very close to the point of no return. And this is not just size, it's quality, it's the yeah. nature of things. How to live in a way that we can flourish and life around us can flourish. That is the, the big question. We yeah. live like that instinctively, you know, intuitively. Yeah. Now we need to do it consciously. Yeah, thank you, thank you. So what I'm hearing is, is that although um, it's not going to be easy for everybody because most people are completely caught up in the external um, relationship, you know, the interaction with busyness and, as you say, striving for, you know, more, 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 grow, grow, grow. But what you're saying is, actually, if we can take a, not necessarily a step back, but even sit down for a moment and be still and disconnect from the busyness of our external lifestyles and create a wider bandwidth to receive a, a level of intelligence or connection with consciousness that we are currently too busy collectively to be receiving, then that will give us the answers for a, want of a better word, potential new paradigm, new way of living on the planet, new, new stream of consciousness. Is, it, is, is that what I'm hearing you say? And is that what people who really care, actually, our listeners really care about the climate crisis and how they can help and be a part of a solution and not a problem? Is that the fundamental message that you are offering to our listeners? I could say yes. I would say very clearly that the answer is in us because the answer is in every form of life. It's oriented toward integration, toward communication, toward what young people call oneness, toward working together. Yes, this is the basic orientation of life on this planet in life or wherever, I suppose, wherever it evolves in the universe. And this is the force. Young people talk about go with the force. Yeah. This is the force we can go with. This is evolution, the evolutionary impetus. I call it the holotropic impetus or attractor, holotropic, oriented toward wholeness, holos, and the tropism and attraction is built in. How do we know that it exists? Simply because if, if it wouldn't have existed all this time, the universe would still be what it was after the Big Bang. Because we believe that evolution started already at 13.7 billion years ago, roughly at that time. And it was just a series of inert gases swirling about randomly. That total universal chaos, that's how it was after the Big Bang.
if there wasn't to be this tropism toward wholeness and integration expressed as love and belonging, if it wouldn't be, the universe wouldn't have evolved. What we do know with some certainty, and it has come about only in the past few years, this knowledge, chance interactions wouldn't have created this universe. This universe, which after all has coherence and order, it has noise also and chaos, but it has that level of coherence and order that permits life to emerge, humans to emerge, and mind and consciousness to emerge. That's remarkable. Mm. Something is creating this. Call it the divine spark, call it the will of God, call it the Tao, whatever name you give it, it's there. And it's in us. It's in every quantum, in every cell of your body. Just have to discover it. So I trust in that. Mm. I have always been guided by that sense of, of we, can, we can be one and allow it to infuse my consciousness. I think that's the, that's the only way, from inside, not from outside, mm. from the bottom of grassroots and not from the top, from authorities. Mm. Beautiful, beautiful. Is there, is there, and I, I, I'm absolutely with you, I try the, to the best of my ability to be uh, open to that level of, of, of connection. So thank you for reminding me and so beautifully put into words, because I think it's quite art difficult to articulate some of this stuff, but we all, we all sense it, we all feel it. Is, is there a defining time in your life that you could remember, that you could share with our audience that instilled this truth or this memory or this awakening within you for you today to be so confident in what you are saying as truth, is there something that happened? Well, I had a very unusual childhood because I was a, a, a music, a piano prodigy. You know, I was playing concerts on the age of nine, in public concerts, and then I got prizes at 15, and et cetera, big international career. But the experience that I've always had of playing music either playing it for a large public, which is where the individual is anonymous and they're not playing it for any given person, but playing it sort of for, for the human, humanity in, in front of me or, or behind me or with me, or playing it in solitude for yourself when there's nobody around. But anyway, not when you're doing it something for something, not to be applauded or to, to, to be famous or, or, or make money or whatever, but doing it because you love it. That something emerges, a sense of fulfillment, a sense of oneness and wholeness emerges that I have always been seeking. I've been, I've been getting it to my mind because I was, uh, I was talented. They say, we don't know what that is, but I had this aptitude or ability to perform music in a way that it could communicate with people. And when I stopped being a, a professional musician and uh, music then just became a hobby for me, and we turned to science and the academic world and humanism and all that, then I continued to seek what I, what I found. Seeking harmony, you know, seeking the, the, the connection, the, the, well, how shall we put it? I will only put it in, in these uh, very general terms, seeking the oneness, but after all, seeking harmony and uh, meaning is something that all great religions 
fundamentally is what they mm. can see. Mm. In the East is still very clear, you know, that you see, you yeah. see, you see the, the beauty, you see the, the harmony between people and between people and nature. So that has always accompanied me from, from my childhood on. There wasn't a period when I, period when I came across it. There were periods when I realized that I can reach it by doing this or that, by doing not necessarily continuing to, to sit on a stage and play for people, but to sit down and try to work it out in my mind and then try to communicate it. Mm-hmm. These were various areas. But since then, I'm still, since that time when I was, let's say, 30, 32 years old, I'm still seeking the same thing. <laughs> feel it and communicate it. Amazing, amazing. I mean, that sounds like, I mean, I'm with you because I I often, if I'm speaking to people and trying to kind of, I guess, help them get onto the the issues around the climate crisis, I often say to people, what are you brilliant at and what do you love doing? Can you offer that skill to a higher cause, i.e. mitigation of the, the current issues that we're in? And then are you willing for that to be your purpose? Then you can fully embody what you love, what you love doing. And that brings a different sensory experience as a, as a human being. I think in, in Indian terminology, they call it uh, Dharma. So kind of being, being at one with your, with your, you know, with your superpower, <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> it is what Sri Aurobindo was talking about. Yes. Ultimately, you're, you're reaching toward the superconsciousness. Yes, yes. I mean, this is obviously it's very deeply embedded in Indian culture. Yeah. Also, practically all Eastern cultures, and in the in the, in the West, it's embedded in the biblical teaching, especially in the Old Testament, in the yeah. teaching of Jesus. The teaching of Jesus is about love, unconditional yeah. love. You know. Yeah. And this is the the drive. This is the force that can move us toward a higher level of survival and thriving on this planet. Mm-hmm. Being more spiritual, yes, but acting that way, you know, yeah. like I think like you do. Yes, yes, so I try. I, I try my best. I do, I do have a, I mean, it's, it's just fascinating. I think our listeners will be totally inspired by you and actually, actually quite simple things that you're saying, but perhaps the practice is not so easy, right? <laughs> It's simple, well, but not necessarily easy. We can do it. It takes a little courage. Yes. You don't need all the time to rush, rush about and just to hunt for the short-term satis- satisfactions. Yeah. You can allow yourself to live, to unfold yourself. And, and everybody can do that. I know yeah. it's not easy because it takes courage to enter into this. But once your people enter into on that path, they'll go forward. Yeah, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. I'm, I'm conscious of time, so I have one last question that I'd like to, to ask you. Firstly, I will mention to our listeners that Irvin has his own podcast, which is, uh, is it the dawn of an era? Um, or is that, yes. is that your book? It's both. So that's your book. Yes, and yes, but allow me to add here right away that we are starting a new uh, talk show series meant for television. Oh, are you? Yes. Oh, and fabulous. And totally dedicated to the, to the new consciousness, awakening new consciousness in people and the acting accordingly. Oh, brilliant. The title of this series, which will be run first on PBS and we hopefully we run on various networks and all over the world. Oh, we fabulous. We run once a week for a whole year to, to yeah. 
to have upshift conversations. That's what we're talking. Amazing. While we talk, allow me to ask you, would you agree our conversation to be one of the upshift conversations in this series? Of course, Irvin. It would be an absolute honor. And I would be, yeah, I mean, it'd be, it'd be, my, it'd be my pleasure. And yes, please. Um, I think the more of us that can talk about this, this way of living and how different it is for how most people are operating, um, the quicker, hopefully, it'll spread. So I'd be honored. Thank you. It will. Together, we have a better chance of doing it than any one of us. Could yes, yeah. I would be absolutely honored. I have one last question. We ask all of our guests, and I hope you're able to, to answer me uh, in a, with just a few insights to your personal life. You know that we're all about sustainability. You know we're all about kind of living in, in, in harmony and respect of nature as a, as, a, as a brand, as My Green Pod. What do you do in your life that you would consider to be a sustainable way of living? Well, almost naturally and instinctively, I try to live simple. I, I live out in the country. I live on top of a hill in Tuscany. Not far from the sea. And I take walks. I enjoy the nature, the sunrise and the sunset. And I try to eat natural foods. I try to cultivate habits that don't harm anything or anybody. And it comes naturally. That's what, that's what I like to do. Yes. So I try to do it because this is what comes to me naturally. You know, and I hope I can help other people do that. Perfect. I lived in, I lived in, in, in New York also, among other things. I worked for the United Nations. And now I live out in the country. And this is where I like to live. Yeah. Lovely. Irvin, thank you so much. I am genuinely, I mean, I, I can feel your energy, your, your love, your peace. I felt like I'm in the presence of a great master. And I've very, very much appreciated your time because I know you are super busy. So, Irvin, in respect and appreciation, thank you. And I look forward to being on your TV show. <laughs> Jarvis, we are welcoming you. Thank you for coming on it. And we will be on it together. Wonderful. With your, your Wonderful. young friend. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. Enjoy your lovely walk in Tuscany today. Say hello to that part of nature and the wildlife for, for me, please. And uh, I will do the same for you when I'm on my walk. Thank you. Thank you, Jarvis. Much love in praise. Thank you. Oh, my goodness. I think I've just met a living master. Irvin was just amazing. Like, it, it, you could feel when he was talking the love and the... The energy that was coming for him, beaming through the screen. And the so, wisdom. Yeah. Oh, it's just, yeah. just, He's a rock star, isn't he? He is a He's spiritual a rock, star. rock star. I've used the word spiritual. <laughs> <laughs> it's all downhill from here, folks. <laughs> it sounds like such a lovely man. I'd love to meet him. Yeah. Yeah, I think we should arrange it, Joe. We'll, let, let's go to Tuscany, which is where he's hanging out. Mm. And... Um, and, and just embed ourselves in the lifestyle that he lives with. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'd give it a go. If that's what happens to you, I'm in. I'm totally I'm Yeah, sold. right, right. <laughs> he's, a, he's an extraordinary individual. I love the fact that he came from, um, you know, he was a prodigy, a music prodigy, and he came from being a music pianist. And um, he, he said that 
what he said to me was, and I could totally relate to this, and I want to ask you about this, Joe, in a minute. He said he oh. was, when he was playing music, he was so yeah. in it that that was his spiritual connection. Like nothing else mattered because he was li literally embodying the music that he was playing. And like that feels to me a bit like if every human being could, could, could be, you know, could be living that way, that purpose, that, that would change everything, wouldn't it? Have you ever had any of those experiences? Well, you know, um, I think uh, when my marriage broke down, I met, um, I went to Los Angeles to stay with my friend Doris. And she said, for your birthday present, you're going to do a three-day course with Sadhguru. And I thought, who is Sadhguru? <laughs> so I did as I was told because she's very insistent. <laughs> and when I was I there... you to be obedient, Joe. <laughs> yeah. It was, you must it have been was, in a you must have been in a a, a kind of unusual yeah. space. Though. <laughs> yeah. So when I was when I was there and did this three day course and um, it was so fantastic. I loved it and I fell in love with Sadhguru. He was the first guru I'd ever met. And during that time, he showed this film about a pilgrimage up to uh, um, Mount Kailash, and mm. I just had this incredibly strong desire that I had to go and I wanted to go. I talked to you about it, didn't I? We, 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 we covered it with my yeah, green pod. Yeah, we, we, um, yeah. Just for reference, just very quickly, Joe, Sadhguru is a spiritual master in India in Tamil Nadu. He runs um, um, a uh, community called the Isha Foundation. Yeah. Amazing. I still do his daily practice every day and have done for nearly... 17 years or something now like amazing but anyway sorry just yeah. to give that information to everyone so i'd never really meditated before uh, and that's sad guru sort of um i think that was the most spiritual thing i could have done to to get me into meditation and um and to feel it you know and and i i loved it so much and we we did this month-long trip into um tibet and mount kailash and it it helped me so much to get over what i had been through and it was the best thing i ever did actually to tell you yeah. the, truth, the best thing i ever did and to 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 meditate on seventeen thousand feet up on mount kailash the most spiritual place you could meditate was just beyond yeah, what an induction. Yeah. <laughs> first kind of... When I came down from the mountain, I had this feeling of elation and, and, and lightness and clear-headedness. I mean, it was just amazing. I, I just yeah. can't... So M Mount Kailash is the most, um, most reverenced mountain uh, by Eastern spirituality, like all the, the Buddhist and the Hindu and everything. Yeah. And, and the pilgrimages are really significant because it does take so long to get there. Um, and, you know, back in the day, people even used to do it on their hands and knees, that particular I pilgrimage. Do, I saw yeah. people do it on their hands and knees, get yeah. up, go down, up and down. And it's supposed to be where Shiva, um, the, the Indian, um, you know, kind of god-like god, god figure, Shiva, the lord of the dance, um, the destroyer of, of um, what's, what's, the, what's the, the, ter the terminology? Anyway, the destroyer of, of, of reality, if you like, of, yeah. you know, kind of destroying everything that's not real. It's that kind of that kind of essence of, of, of godliness. And apparently that's where Shiva went in to that 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 mountain and that and the energy, which is why it's 
so revered. Yeah. But what um, I remember seeing a video of you, Joe. Um, you, there's also um, Lake Mansarova, which is yeah, the we're lake. There. And I remember seeing a video of you, and you sent it to me. And there were all these rainbow lights. Do you remember that? Like yeah, over it, the it, over the lake, and it was like, what 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 was going on there? Well, it was extraordinary, really, because um, Sadhguru had said to me, if you get up at three o'clock in the morning and stand up at the edge of Lake Monosarova, you may see lights appear. So I got up at three o'clock in the morning and I stood there and there were wild dogs running around and because we were camping. And I stood there and I looked out and I didn't see anything, so I went back to bed. But later during the day, we had the most incredibly weird uh, light formation come down right near us and and there wasn't a rainbow yet there were all the colors and there was it was just extraordinary uh, I, don't, I think it was aliens myself but yeah. the surprise is there <laughs> nice, nice little plug for your other podcast yeah. <laughs> herbie's being very vocal let me just grab him what about you katie have you had um have you yeah, had come any, on katie tell us what those moments where you've been in in what they call it dharma don't they in the, in the in eastern tradition i haven't had it i've never been like <clears throat> smacked on the head with something like that i've never had anything that kind of that I would describe as being a really sort of eye-opening, mind-blowing, spirit spiritual experience. I think having kids is quite. Yeah. I mean, for me, that's the closest I've probably been having having my two children being yeah. in that kind of. I didn't know that thing and all that. Yeah, being in that mindset where yeah, just, that's the only thing that you can you concentrate on, and you're yeah, involved exactly. in it so much. Yeah, exactly. And you're just you're just so in that moment and you're so connected to this being that's that's kind of coming out of you and, and, and coming into the it's just that to me is the closest thing that I've that I've ever had. Just so kind of that is spiritual. Of, it, it, it feels to me like it. That's, totally. that's kind of how I would. That's my experience of it. I, but yeah, I've never had anything kind of sort of supernatural or. But witnessing that, I was I was there at, at, at the birth, obviously, and witnessing that, it was it was amazing to be uh, to, to be, if you like, I, I guess you know, an observer of somebody in that deeply connected space. Um, you were an active participant. I was. I did my I did my stuff, of course, but you know, but but I did. I wasn't having a baby. I wasn't. I wasn't going through the, you know, the process yeah. uh, physically. When, when my daughter Leah had um otis she said to me mum will you be there i went oh yes and i was there and i watched my child who i gave birth to give birth to her child so emotional i just stood there and as he came out i just burst into tears and then her husband starts crying as well and leah turned around and said the two of you pull yourselves together (laughs) (laughs) oh bless leah what an honor what an honor to be at because that's it's such an important that person that's with you when you when you birth your child is that it's that's such an honor for you to have been there to be to have been chosen yeah it's um i loved it amazing because you know giving birth to yourself you don't you're so much a part of that that you don't really appreciate the miracle of life, what you're actually mm. doing until you're outside of it and watching it. Mm. Yeah. How, um, how, how important do you think that the, 
I th- um, personally, let me just frame this a little bit. I think, you know, we're talking about the climate crisis and we're talking about sustainability and all the issues. And I personally think and believe that we are going through a conscious evolution for humanity, a spiritual evolution for humanity, and that nature is giving us the opportunity to awaken through that shamanic awakening that we can actually evolve as a species collectively together right so just to frame this question that's what i believe of course i want to do as much as i can to help educate and inspire people to live more sustainably but i do think there's a bigger i think there's a bigger story to this right how important do you think joe from your experience of those types of connections that being in a more meditative state being you know having some kind of practice that that enables you to be less stressed and and more connected how do you important do you think that is to this whole climate crisis movement from you know just from your heart um i i think with everything that's gone on in the last two years it's been uh it's been more important to meditate and connect with nature than ever before and i think it's awakened so many people and you know well, five years ago, people didn't med. Like I know people that meditate now that never used to at all and never thought anything of it. Yeah. And I think this whole period of time has been a great awakening. Yeah. And I think the more and more people are doing it, and the more people that realise that it's an energy and it's you know you connect to your consciousness, and I think that is what's happening to everybody. Yeah, well, I would. I would agree with a, that. A lot of people. I've got. I feel a bit torn about it because I feel. <laughs> you know how I feel about meditation. Yeah, and, I, yeah. And I think that. I think the problem for me is that I see it as you know it will be the easiest thing in the world to drop out of society and to go and sit on a mountain and meditate and have a lovely time and just detach yourself completely from everything that's going on in the world because that sort of it's probably what a lot of people would like to do. And I just see it as such a massive cop-out that you're not doing anything. You're not kind of in But you don't have to sit on a mountain to do it. No, I know, I know. But I mean, the extreme side of it. I think it's it's a good, healthy thing to do. And I know you definitely benefit a lot from having your practice that you do daily. Yeah, but I was was trained to meditate in the marketplace. I was trained not to go and sit on a mountain. I was trained to live... Live the live, live the yoga practice yeah. in 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 every action. But I do feel <clears> like there are people who are going to be listening to this and thinking the thought of setting time aside to meditate is just another thing that I have to do. It's just another thing. I just it's not realistic. I haven't got time. So have you both of you who do meditate? Do you have ah. any tips for those people who might be thinking? I honestly don't have. I've got kids. I've got a job. I've got this. I've got that. I've got the washing to do. The washing up to do. How do I fit meditation into my day? I believe you can go and sit in a bath in silence, sit in a bath in silence, shut your eyes and take yourself to a place where you can calm down and then you can and you can wash away the in the bath the the feelings of stress and this and the other. You get out the bath. You know, I think you have to have silence. I think it's so important. You can be in the car driving and be in silence, turn off the radio, and be in silence in the car, and be with your own thoughts. You can be with your, look at Tabitha, 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. She she said she doesn't meditate, but her meditation is being with her horses. Yeah. yeah. And being and in silence with her horses. You know, there's yeah. all sorts of ways where you can be silent, silence yourself and be with yourself. It's that but stillness you, that you're looking for, isn't it? It's that stillness, yes, that stillness. calm, that peace that I think it's not necessarily going and sitting in a room with your eyes shut and sitting in lotus position. It's Thank just you. finding that inner still somewhere, yeah. whether it's on a walk yeah. or a, you know, inner with your stillness. Kids. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, yeah, I, I mean, you asked a question to, to me mm. as well. I, I obviously teach this stuff to, to leaders and have been doing for about five years. So the first thing I say is, is just to be focusing on the breath. If you can, if you can, at the very least, all, all you have to think about is breathing in and breathing out. And then if you want to get really complicated, you breathe in love and you breathe out love. That's about as complicated as it gets. That in itself is a meditation. There's so many, there's so many, you know, ideas about, about what it is. And actually it's just being conscious and present in the moment and not allowing external forces to, to, to create um, stressful environments for yourself. I personally do do a Kriya every day, but I'm, I'm half Indian. It's in my genes to, to have yeah. these types of practices. And for me, if I don't do it, I get stressed. Two or three days and I haven't done my practice, I will begin to get stressed. So it get ratty, don't you? <laughs> get ratty and I get uh, aggravated with the world and angry about climate change and everything else. So I have to do it. I have yeah. to. Like, it's the only I way that keeps me sane. I remember when on, on the um, pilgrimage, because there was lots of uh, Indian followers of, of Sadhguru with us as well. And when we used to do a meditation, one time this guy starts going, oh, oh, oh. And so Sadhguru stopped it all and said, there is no reason for you to lose your mind like that. Meditation. <laughs> you become and he sort of told the guy off. You know, he said, "Great yogis don't start making noises in the middle of their practice." You know. Yeah, yeah. This guy never did another peep again. Yeah, oh, brilliant. So it's a bit, it's a bit ego based, wasn't it? It's a bit ego based. I'm sure. That's yeah. what I think a lot of people will think, though. It's quite an esoteric kind of. It's that thing that's quite sort of inaccessible if you don't know the rules to it and if you don't know how to do it and if you've never done it before. I think it's one of those things that it becomes a bit taboo, doesn't it? Yeah, but it shouldn't. Yeah. It, it should be something that's really simple and really accessible to everybody. Even as a, you know, as a mum with little kids, you know, you should still find... And if you ha can't find five minutes of stillness and peace in your day... Have a word with yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go into the I think, toilet, shut the door and sit on yeah, the yeah, absolutely. And somewhere, safe, somewhere safe for five minutes and just walk away. I think, the bath, away. I think the bath one is really good. But walking in nature is a brilliant yeah. one. Walking yeah. amongst the trees and actually tuning into, you know, listening to the trees, looking at what's moving, observing, feeling the ground as you walk, you know, focusing on your breath. It's just an opportunity for you just to rebalance, recalibrate, and get more in tune uh, with not just the mental, physical, and emotional bodies, but with the whole consciousness. I call it the spiritual and put body. Put your phone down and walk away from your phone. Yeah. yeah. That is yeah. so important. 
They do make me laugh, these mindful app, mindfulness apps that you've got, and you have to be on your phone in order to do it. And I'm like, that is such a contradiction. I'm sorry if anybody uses it and they get a buzz from it. But just to say as well, I do run um, twice a year a spiritual um, leadership uh, for business people called Spirited Business and Leadership. Um, so if anybody's interested in that, we'll put a note in a footnote in the comments. Um, well, look, I think we've really, I think we've, we've done a really good job on that. We wanted to honor Irvin and it was a slightly different interview that we've had, um, thus far. And I, I really enjoyed it. So maybe we can do a, a bit, a few more bits around this kind of conscious evolution that we're doing. What do you reckon? Yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Cool. So don't forget listeners and viewers, if you're liking what you're hearing and you're enjoying the My Green podcast, please subscribe, please comment you know, like and share with your friends because that's really important for us to be able to grow um, to a wider community and we can only do that through you. So thank you. So thanks to you both, Joe and Katie, for joining the episode of The Green Podcast and a huge thanks to you, our listeners, for tuning in. Um, We hope you feel inspired and to add some more green sustainability and perhaps spiritual energy into your life. And don't forget to follow us on social media at MyGreenPod for news, events and product discounts. If you subscribe to our mailing list, you'll also get exclusive discounts to our wide range of sustainable products. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider giving it a like, dropping your thoughts in the comments below and subscribe for similar content. If you'd like to watch more episodes, they can be found here. Yay! <laughs> Have a fantastic day, everybody, and keep, keep it green! It green. Wow.